Welcome to Thrive Deeper, the podcast based on the Thrive Bible Reading Guide. This is the ongoing conversation about God's Word with Thrive's author, Dr. Matthew Jacoby, and your host, DJ Payne. G'day and welcome to episode 75 of Thrive Deeper. Your favourite Bible podcast, it's your humble host DJ Payne here with you. And on this week's episode, it's a fresh start as we enter into a brand new edition of Thrive, the booklet. And we also enter into a brand new book. And not just any book, we're back in the book of Genesis where it all starts, where we get an introduction to God, the universe, and some very big themes. It's exciting as we continue into this brand new edition of Thrive. Now, also back from the trip, it's the one and only Matthew Jacoba. We've timed that well, haven't we? Back from the European trip, just in time to get started in this brand new edition of Thrive Deeper. Thank you so much for tuning in. Enjoy this discussion on Genesis chapter 1. I'm back. You're back. We're actually. Well, you've got me because you've got me at a better time than if we would have recorded last Friday, which I think that we may. At, at, at one stage, we up. did we did have it in the schedule that you get off a plane I, and then we record. I get terrible jet lag. It's you know uh, my my body clock is so stubborn, uh, and so it takes me about a week uh, to uh, get into a time zone. Uh, and which is when I go uh, to America, it's always when I'm going east for some reason. If I go in that direction, it's not as bad. Really? Going, yeah. Like, so when I go to America, which is going east, flying yes. east, you're fine. I get terrible jet lag. Oh, and, you get, and it oh. takes me, you know, we go for maybe um, around sort of 13 days. Yeah. Takes me 10 days to get into the time zone. And then we turn around and I come back. It's mental. You're not built for international oh, travel. Too old for this stuff. <laughs> but actually, as I get old, uh, as I get older, it gets worse, I think. Really? Anyway, so I'm feeling good now. Um, you're back, back in the. In, I'm getting back into the. You're back home in Geelong. Yep. You're back in Australia. You're back in the time zone. Yep. We have uh, had a massive flood of feedback over the last, you know, six weeks while we've been gone. Everybody, you know, going through the Thrive, you yeah. know, and, and finishing off the last few books and everything, and that's been a lot of fun. But now, for us recording together, yeah. that that's like an ancient memory yeah. of months ago. Yeah. And now we are back up to, uh, you know, sort of doing it in, in our version live, like we're recording yeah. the week that you'll be hearing mm. it. And we got a brand new th- Thrive booklet. Yeah. We've got a brand new month, November. Yeah. We've got a brand new book of the Bible that we're into. Yeah. And we're not mucking around. We're and going. We're going foundational here. Yeah. Well, it's it's also. I mean, we're doing Genesis. We're going back to the beginning of the Bible. Uh, it's. I, I largely rewrote uh, the the Genesis uh, edition. Now, Thrive turns over, but uh, I I do often uh, rewrite a fair bit of it. I think the Genesis one I rewrote most of it. Wow. I think I. I have just really loved getting into this book uh, in a fresh way. Okay, um, and, that, is- and that's something that's really big for you. I've noticed as as I've as we've grown together over the years. Mm. Sometimes a pastor or a preacher will want to do like a musician the golden hits. Yeah, you don't suffer from that. 
you don't suffer from that. No, I, 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 I see you, especially yeah. now in later life, you are like very willing to shed what you have said before. Not in not in the content, yeah. but in the way that you say it and try to think of a new way to say it. Yeah, well, I mean, I go back over things. It, it's partly because of my personal growth journey yeah. and the fact that I read, you know, I read scripture for myself mm. and uh, as we grow, um, it's like, you know, you see more than you did before. Yeah. You come to it with more mature, with a lot of growth behind, with more spiritual maturity. Mm. And I think that creates more openness to the word. The more that you know the word, because I'm still on a journey of learning, the more you know the word, the more you get out of it uh, as you go. So, um, even, yeah, as I preach, I mean, I, you know, I've preached through Genesis before. Mm. Um, but I just can't bring myself to rehash what I've done before. <laughs> I, I, um, I, I naturally, you know, come to it with with fresh eyes. So yeah. that's been the case. Uh, looking at Genesis again, um, I mean, today we're going to focus on Genesis one, and uh, I mean, this chapter has uh, has opened up to me in so many different ways. I mean, I've seen I'm seeing so much more in this chapter. But but, but come on, Genesis chapter one. How many yeah. sermons? Yeah. Messages, posters, songs, movies—you name it. We've had Genesis chapter one for years, for years. Yeah. What more could be said about Genesis well, I think chapter one, of, one? I think one of the problems in the past for me is that, at least probably the last time I, or maybe the last couple of times I read through this this particular chapter, I I, I felt far too drawn down into the controversy around this. Chapter. Okay. okay. Well, let's. Well, uh, now that you've mentioned it, yeah. Um, let's let's bring out the controversies around chapter one of Genesis yeah. or the early chapters of Genesis. That's right. In order to leave that behind, man. I say because I think I think reading the, the, because this has gotten caught up in the Bible science yes controversy debate. debate we, you know, we're reading it through that, you know, to support this position or that position, rather than just letting the text do what the text. Uh, wants to do. Yeah. Now, of course, there's this uh, the, the big question over Genesis chapter one is how, how does this relate to what scientists, modern scientists, are saying about human origins? Um, you know, that's a a complex question. But I think the best way to answer that is to recognise something about the text of Genesis, which I think is true. I don't believe it's a myth. Uh, I take it as it stands. Yes. Um, but that also means recognising what the text is and isn't doing, and there is this. Um, this is often uh, Genesis chapter one has often been referred to as as exalted prose narrative. I've heard it referred to uh, this way. It has this transcendent, this transcendence to it. Yes. I think it transcends those sorts of questions. Let me say, you know, we're preoccupied with. Questions that are lesser questions, questions about material origin. Scientific Amen. questions are lesser questions mm. than the kinds of questions than this chapter is written to answer. Okay, so, so, and, so part, and part of that being lost in the weeds aspect of it yeah. is, is people wanting to argue about the how literal the, thing, yeah. the, the things are, how scientific the things yeah. are, how, um, you know, even some of the authorship, some of the early stories of, of, you know, from Genesis 1 right up until about Genesis, you know, till we get to, you know, the story of Abraham, all that prehistory yeah. history. <clears throat> yeah. There's a lot of arguments, controversies and stuff yeah. around that. 
we, can I can I say that on behalf of us, we are approaching Genesis as we yeah. approach the rest of the yeah. Bible that it is true, yeah. that it is not fairy tales, yeah. that it is, uh, you know, but also keeping in mind there is a reason we need to be asking ourselves why did God give us this particular yeah. message in this particular way yeah. in this particular part of the Bible? Let Scripture almost, you know, like the old solar Scripture, let, let, it, let it sort of interpret itself, but also what was, you know, not that we can put ourselves in the mind of God, but in the bigger picture, these opening chapters is the way that God in his infinite wisdom has decided to introduce himself yeah. And his purposes yeah. for the entire world to the entire world. Yeah, that's right. So we could then we go, okay, so did he write it like this so we would argue about length of days and hours and millions of years? No, it's about him. What is he yeah. saying about him? Yeah, that's right. I mean, the big, uh, you're exactly, you're spot on there because the big picture of this passage is that God introduces who he is. Amen. And who we are in relation to him. Mm. And... Uh, the kinds of questions that the modern sort of scientifically oriented mind wants to ask questions of of uh, curiosity to us now, they are questions that would not have occurred mm. to people in those times. A lot of questions about material oranges, origins, how did this happen, how did that happen. These people are interested in who did it and why. Yeah. Uh, and, and, all, and that's and all, and what all. we find, that's the answer that, that's the yes. question that this answers. But also it sets up, and this is, I cannot stress this enough, and I think this is something that we have lost with a scientific worldview. Yeah. These are patterns. Like we're talking yeah. universe-shaping patterns yeah. and stories that God will use from, from the beginning of history yeah. through all of time yeah. to the end of history. What we read in these first few chapters yeah. he keeps using as patterns there are yeah. ideas throughout all of this yeah. that if we don't get right or we get sidetracked away yeah. into arguments yeah. useless arguments we're going to lose a lot of the message of the rest of the book yeah that's right i i think um i think we need to that there's a principle here also that we need to choose our battles uh we need to choose which battles we're going to have mm -hmm. Do we really want to have the Bible and science battle? Yes. Um, well, that's it's not really a battle. Look, I don't swallow everything that science tells us because science regularly strays into physics, regularly strays into metaphysics. Yes. Science regularly <laughs> strays into scientism, yes. which is a, you know uh, this sort of arrogant claim that it can um, sort of sum up all of reality. Uh, so I, I don't, I don't. By everything that science tells us, but neither do I want to have the, as the focus of my Christian life uh, a, a, this, this battle with mm. what science is saying. I mean, science investigates natural processes, invest, investigates the how. As we've said, this is a chapter that focuses on who did it yes. and, and, and why. And why. Yeah. Now, the fact that when the Bible tells us that God does something, that doesn't discount natural processes. No. Uh, now, again, the debate around what those natural processes involved is another thing, and we're yes. not going to get into that today. And, 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 but I'm, but uh, again, as usual, I'm happy because I'm an idiot. Yeah. I'm happy to yeah. <laughs> lay my cards out on the table yeah. and cop the flack and cop the praise from the two different camps here. Yeah. 
in my mind, it's it's quite settled and simple. And I I've I've swung and looked and researched everything, and I think and in the end, I say when it comes to a lot mm. of the scientific debate around the early parts of Genesis, I say you know what I wasn't there. I don't know. God hasn't revealed exactly, you know, how he does these things. Yeah. But I sort of I sort of come back to a bit of a literist. I little I come back to a, a you know, and I've seen recently a lot of scientific arguments and blah 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 for a young earth creation and mm. everything like that. And I part of me wants to live it's almost like a desire that I want to live in that universe. Mm. You know what I mean? It's it's that desire to do that. But I but as soon as someone wants to argue about uh, you know, Young Earth creation versus you know evolution or anything like that. I'm not interested in the, it. It holds no interest to me whatsoever because mm. me personally, it doesn't answer any question that I have about my life right now or yeah. the or the people lives around me. That's my personal opinion. Do not yeah. do not drag Matt into those complaint letters that you're about to draft <laughs> up. That's all sent to DJ Payne. Okay. Yeah. Um. Uh. I think we always need to focus on what the text is doing and not yeah. try to make the text do, do something that it's Amen. not doing. And uh, as I said, um, it the, the fact that this is telling us that God does things, that God uh, brings the physical universe about, mm. it doesn't necessarily um, uh, it doesn't necessarily cancel out natural processes. No. An example of this is Psalm 139, which says, "You knit me together in my mother's womb. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made." Now that doesn't discount the science of embryology. Just saying the fact that it says that God knit me together in my mother's womb yes. doesn't mean that we have to deny embryology. Yeah. Now, and it also doesn't literally mean that God's got a couple of knitting needles doing it. Like you know, there's His fingers right, you know, right in there. That's right. So we need to be careful when we talk about being literal. Yes, uh, because. Uh, we need to read the text uh, on its own terms and, again, not make it do what it's not doing. Now, look, um, in terms of uh, the scientific question of how old is the earth and how did things happen and, is, you know, uh, my, my answer to most of those questions is I don't know. Yeah, and that's honest. And I feel no, I feel no imperative to give an answer to those questions. But mm. what I do want to focus on is what the text is doing. Okay, so let's take a step back. And Matthew, your your if I could say something, your area of expertise a lot of times when it comes to education and thought is through the lens of philosophy. Through thinking about things in a <coughs> philosophical way, that's mm -hmm. your area of study. You know, you're a, you're a doctor in it. You know, type of thing. What? Does Genesis, the mm. early parts of Genesis, how does that hit you with your with with the way that you think about philosophy? And a lot of times, philosophy is just how the worldview that we have. How do we think the world works? The dynamics of yep. different things. Does Genesis play into the way that you see the world? Yeah, it does. It sets up our worldview. I should say initially that a lot of listeners are going to be nervous as soon as you say the word philosophy, because yeah. in the in a lot of people's minds, philosophy is. Uh, a secular yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, now, uh, if, it's not. It's not necessarily the philosophy is just the process of critiquing how we think. Yeah. How we think. Yeah. You know, theology is looking at what we think about certain about ultimate reality and God and mm -hmm. so forth. Mm -hmm. uh, philosophy critiques how we think, and and that's always important uh, because we can find ourselves buying into. Um, secular ways of thinking and uh, a good bit of philosophical reflection can uncover that and bring us back to Scripture. Now, my personal passion in life is bringing people back to Scripture yes. and critiquing where uh, sort of uh, where kind of foreign elements of 
philosophical ways of thinking that don't belong to that have sort of snuck in and, yes. and uprooted a genuinely biblical way of thinking. Now, Genesis 1 is important because it sets up our worldview. It sets up our expectations, how we view God, how we view ourselves. It's so fundamental. Amen. And, and this is where we need to not allow debates over natural processes to to distract us from what God is saying about himself, mm -hmm. about what he does, about who we are and what we are meant to be doing. And yeah. th these are the key things in this in this chapter. So um, uh, it's interesting the way that this chapter does it. Now, um, there is an artfulness. There is an art at work in this mm. chapter. And again, mm. some listeners might be uncomfortable about me using the word art. When it comes uh, to the Bible yeah, and the Word of God, yes. oh, because there's, it's, I think some people think if it's if there's art, then art can't be true somehow. It's mm, like mm, as though I'm saying that it's again, it's, it's, it's as though I'm saying it's myth or something. But there is there is an there is an artfulness to this chapter in the way that uh, it. Uh, it uses the form to convey the message as much as the content, mm. because this is all about a God who brings a certain order to the world and to our lives. Remember, mm. this is the beginning. Genesis one introduces, originally introduces the Torah, uh, the law, mm. the first, the Pentateuch, which is the first five books of the Bible. Yes, it's the introduction to the Bible, which is God's word, which is all about giving order to our lives. Yes. So and, and that and that's that's probably one of the biggest patterns mm, themes. Yeah, uh, I don't know what you want to call it a meta narrative or or whatever the principle that is in play that we see played out through the entire Bible. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you know the idea, and it's in verse one. You know, we get introduced to God, we get introduced to chaos, and we get introduced yeah. to the fact that He. Is he wants to bring order to that chaos? Yeah, that's right. So, so you you asked about that philosophical lens, which is yeah. just a, which is. Uh, I mean, I think what philosophy gives us is, is um, I guess, a, um, a toolkit to critique ways of thinking. Mm -hmm. Now, there is a way of thinking uh, that treats everything like information. We live in an age of information, and so we have a tendency to come to a text, particularly a text like this, and just treat it all as cold data. hard data. Yep. Yep. It's way more than that. There yes. is an art to this, uh, the way that it uses repetition, the rhythm of the text, the order of the text, the words that are used, and even the number of times that those words are used. It's such a beautifully symmetrical text and very, very carefully structured. Yes. So the message is not only in the content, it's in the form. Yes. Uh, and and it's a message about order, God giving order. Yeah. To the world and to our lives, and, and I'll give I'll give a illustration. I was I was you know thinking about this uh, you know when when we were going through some of the stuff about it, and I was trying to think of a way that I could bring in an illustration of you know the style being part of the message. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And, and again, there's a thousand different illustrations yep. for those who those of us who are visually minded. If you want to write the word you know happy and you use a big colourful font. Yeah. That carries weight to it. Yeah. If you write it in a sad, black, dripping, dark yeah, font yeah. or with blood coming, yeah, whatever, there, there is, there is, the word is still the same. The data is still the yeah. same. Yeah. The robot parts of our head want to pre-process the same. The same with a song. You know, you can have exactly the same lyrics set in a different tone. Yeah. And, and, of course, it carries out. Now, 
bringing that back to Genesis, yeah. the data is all in there, yeah. but there is a stylistic choice of how we are told that data, yeah. and that is part of the message. That's right. Yeah, that's right. And it's important that we don't fill in the gaps yeah. either, uh, because um, that tends to be what I think people have a tendency to want to plug gaps, and uh, so we, we just need to really focus on what the text is doing and take our prompt from that. So... Um, the other thing about this text is that it's clearly in dialogue in some to some extent, mm-hmm. and I would say to a large extent, with its world, with the world in which it, it, it emerges. Define, define what you mean by that, dialogue with the world, that it's so, – you're talking about it's so written – ancient. we're in the ancient world. Yes. They believed in many gods. They believed that things like the sun and the moon and the stars were gods. They yep. believed that the ocean uh, was a god. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and they be- so, uh, so they personified – Nature. There are many gods. There's sort of this chaotic kind of realm of gods fighting each other and fighting for preeminence. It's one of the amazing things about Genesis 1 is the way it just cuts through all of that. Mm. It actually is without peer, this text, is without peer in the ancient world. It lacks the fanciful elements of the ancient world, like in the, the Egyptian depiction of the sun god Ra, uh, you know, floating over that sailing over the the sky in his mm-hmm. boat, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and pillars holding up the sky, and all these. Fa- this has this, um, it it has this. Uh, it, it leaves all of that behind, mm-hmm. um, but it's still in kind of in dialogue with that. So, using Ra as as an example, Ra yes. was the sun god, and they be- the Egyptians believed the sun god is the greatest god because the sun is the source light. of light, yeah. and light was equated with life. Yes. Okay. So now it's interesting when you come to the Genesis narrative is that God creates light independently of the sun. God Mm. creates light on the first day and he doesn't create the sun until the fourth day. And the sun is not a God. It's just a light bearer created by the sovereign God. Mm. So this is a stunning statement of monotheism, the belief in one God. Yes. At a time when no one thought that way. Yeah. Uh, it cuts through all of the polytheism, all of the um, the mythology of the ancient world, and yet it speaks to that mythology mm. as well. So, for example, one of the key concerns of ancient peoples was there, were, there is this idea of order and chaos. It's embedded in ancient literature. It's a key yeah. concern um, that uh, there are these myths about God's overcoming chaos in some sense. And chaos uh, is depicted in the form of the heaving ocean and yes. darkness. Yes. that Those two symbols, darkness and the ocean, the heaving ocean, are kind of symbols of chaos. And the, uh, the, the ocean is, de- is um, personified by a god, as I said. Yes. It's the, uh, the god Tiamat, who's uh, also interestingly also personified or depicted as a sea serpent dragon mm. now this is important because we have a serpent yes. turning up so so you know it's like uh, tiamat she's the goddess of kind of the ocean equates with chaos mm-hmm. now we're going to see in genesis chapter 3 that uh, we have a return to chaos yes. because of a serpent coming back again so you see that in some ways the text is in dialogue with these. It's it's not borrowing from this mythology. No. It's speaking to it. Yeah, it's relevant to it. Because the other thing is that they're not wrong about everything. No. Behind these 
behind this mythology is this human intuition that there, that there is there are pers- there is uh, uh, there is a grand there, there's personality there's something behind there's, a there's yes. something there is a personified invisible force yes. behind the visible universe right yes, yes. and they're right about that even uh, even when it comes to evil mm, mm, mm. it's it's all there's 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 personhood somehow behind that amen and they're right on there yeah. so the the bible wants to validate that but it it kind of corrects that at the same time yeah. and it's just profound how it does this and what is also profound is that it can do that and yet do it in a way that transcends that particular time period and that has relevance for all time including including all you know whatever including today i I think this speaks powerfully yeah just as powerfully today as it did uh three and a half thousand years ago yeah so so uh we're gonna we're gonna have a break in just a second, but I, I was thinking, and I heard someone speak a little while ago, and I've been doing some reading on it myself. Is our Indigenous people of Australia, you know, one mm. of the one of the uh, by a lot of people's standards, one of the most ancient cultures still yep. living, you know, today? And yep. when when uh, white settlers arrived in Australia, they were observing a very ancient, removed culture. Yep. They were sort of locked into a certain way of living that was thousands mm. of years yep. old. They had their creation stories, their mythology, their gods and universes and how everything was done. And a lot of of Indigenous Australians, a lot of First Peoples, when they first heard the stories, so the stories go, when the white settlers came, and a lot of them being missionaries, told them the story of Genesis, a lot of the elders of of those times were like, aha, okay. Like they were fitting it together. Like you were just saying, there was an ancient mind behind what they were telling stories of. They saw personality and person and a reason for what they've been given. But a lot of their processes by the stories that were told and even they're still being told today was – Okay, this makes sense. We had we had half of that picture over here with this story, but yeah. now we see the whole reason over yeah. here. And they fit it together with their dream time yeah. stories and made it one complete story of how God was telling the story of things. So I love the fact that we can see in anthropology to this day yeah. that ancient conversation that Genesis yeah. was was having with an ancient people. Yeah, it's it's just fantastic. All right. Now, before we take a break, and we're going to take a break right now, as we enter into Genesis chapter 1, I know the major themes are who and why. Is there anything you want to keep in mind as as we're about to dig into this first chapter? Um, We're going to discover in this chapter, uh, we're going to look at structure. We're going to look at uh, the centre point of this chapter. We're going to look at a climax and a goal of this chapter, and uh, and it's going to uh, point us towards something crucial about ourselves.
G'day family, DJ Payne here and thank you once again for downloading this edition of Thrive Deeper, the podcast. We've got so much in store for you for 2020. We cannot wait to bring it to you. We need you to do a couple of things for us right now as you listen. Head over to thrivetoday.net.au. Make sure you bookmark that website and visit it often. You can find the links to our social media there, especially our Facebook group and our Facebook page. There is so especially our Facebook group and our Facebook page. There is so much great activity and you're able to find like-minded people who are reading the copy of Thrive along with you and asking questions. It's a great resource to have there. I also want to encourage you to ask your questions if you want to send them privately through. You can do that all at thrivetoday.net. Now, I need to say a massive thank you to everyone that has gone over to iTunes or Apple Music, Apple Podcasts and reviewed our podcast with five stars and told everyone how much they loved it. Thank you. If you have done that, we really, really appreciate it. Now, if you have got it on your list of things to do and you've been meaning to get around to it, now is the time to do it. Head over to Apple Music or Apple Podcasts. Leave a five-star review of the podcast there. It really does help us go a long way of moving up both the podcast charts and our little podcast getting recommended by Apple to new listeners. It really does help. And maybe whatever way you're listening to the podcast to us in different apps, there's other ways to rate it, star it, favorite, recommend it. Your word of mouth goes further and farther than anything that we could do on our own. So we really need your help in getting our podcast out there. All right, let's get back into Genesis. I know you've got a lot of questions. You've got a lot of thoughts. Head over to thrivetoday.net.au and let us know all about them. Let's get back to Genesis chapter 1. DJ Payne, Matthew Jacoby, you're on Thrive Deeper. We're in episode 75 where we're going back to the beginning, going right back to the start of Genesis chapter 1. We've been talking a lot around the book. We've been looking at the who, the why, the structure around it, some of the philosophy behind it. But Matt, now let's actually dig into this first chapter. You've been talking a lot about structure. Tell us what you mean. So um, the... It's set up at the start, uh, and the the problem is set up at the start. Well, it's not a uh, it's not a problem in terms that there's anything wrong, mm. but it anticipates um, what happens. The first couple of verses anticipate what's going to be done throughout uh, the chapter, yeah. and it sets up this picture of of this kind of primeval chaos. Yes. Now, this is not evil; um, it's just incomplete. And so there's, there's a process that's going to make it very good in the end. So, um, as I said, a big issue uh, for ancient peoples was this issue of chaos. Chaos was kind of identified um, with uh, it, it's this bad, threatening kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Genesis uh, begins with the words, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. So already there's a kind of ought something orderless. Now, again, mm. this is not because it's bad. bad. Mm. It's just unfinished. Mm-hmm. Uh, and darkness was over the, surf- the face of the deep. So darkness, there's this element of chaos associated with darkness um, because it's indistinct. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no clarity uh, in, in darkness. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So we've also uh, we've heard about the deep. Yes. The ocean and the waters yes. is again the ocean so we have this this picture of god poised to do something about this unfinished state this state of chaos yeah uh, these um the waters the deep the ocean has this association with chaos but we also now, introduced to to this god this this that's right. you know this force that is the creator of all things does not give any reason behind, yep. you know, like himself or the, the personhood. Yep. Just there he is. He's the originator and accept it or, you know, the, yeah, that's, that's it. That's right. Yeah. I mean, uh, again, the very first verse is stunning because we, we're introduced to one God who created everything. Yes. <laughs> I mean, that's uh, – <laughs> uh, so – and then – so what's going to happen throughout this first chapter is that – God is going to give um, uh, order, bring order to that which has none. So that which is without form and void is now going to be given order and significance and shape and meaning and purpose. That's what's going to happen. So there's this sense of God overcoming the chaos. Uh, Now, this is important and the principle of order is important because what's going to happen in chapter 3 is that the order is going to be upturned and that's going to lead to a return to chaos uh, when we get to the flood. Yep. So the, the God answering with the flood is a reversal because if, if when you study Genesis chapter 3, the way it's all put together shows a reversal, reversal. of the order that was set up in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, yeah. right? So, now we, uh, now, And God answers that by sending a flood. So by the end of Genesis chapter 7, uh, we have a complete reversal so that we're back again to the watery chaos. Now, this theme, this you know, so this very first theme, where we've, and we've brought out mm. this pattern of God bringing order to chaos is... And he does it in specific ways in Genesis chapter 1. We see some of the principles at play, i.e. there's definitions, there's yeah. partings, there's yeah. uh, names given, yeah. there's you know numbers. Yeah. There is some really clear, simple ways that God brings order yeah. to the chaos around us. Yeah. And I want us to, from the very beginning, and I know you do as well, Matt, to start thinking, how does this apply to my life. Yeah. Am I experiencing chaos in my life? Yeah, in that's my right. Heart? Yeah. How does this apply to me? Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, what God does is that He brings order to the chaos. I mean, this is not mm. just what God did back then. This is what He does, mm. and the result of that is a state of rest. I mean, mm. this is what's beautiful about this because uh, God brings order to that which is uh, formless and void, and the result of that is. God's rest. Now, rest is a state of harmony, mm-hmm. is a state of authority. Everything is the way that it should be. And so you have this state of rest. Satisfaction? Would that be another uh, word? It, it is. It's satisfaction. But it's more than that. It's a, it's a state of tranquility. Okay. Um, it's, uh, you know, God is, there is, um, it's a state of enjoyment. 
uh, everything is as it should be. Everything is moving harmoniously. There's not friction or mm. or, or anything like that. Mm. And that is the result of God's order. You see, so rest rest is the absence of chaos. Mm. Unrest is the presence of chaos. Wow. And so this is where, uh, and it's it's often said of kings uh, of of Judah when they put their kingdoms in order mm-hmm. by God's when they ordered things yes. according to God's priorities and yep. order. Yep. Would often say and then and God gave them rest on every side yes. from their enemies. Yes. So rest is the result of putting our lives in order, yeah. God's order. Now, yeah. of course, this is remember this is the introduction to the Torah, this is the introduction to the word of God, and God is going to order his people's lives uh, according to his order, his priorities, in order that they can live a life of rest. Now, this is going to be signified in the observance of the Sabbath, but the idea is that is that they and we will be a people who live in a state of rest. And, of course, Jesus alludes to this when he says, Come to me, all you who are wearied and burdened, and I will give you rest. Yeah. So... Um, and again, okay, so this is this is good. This is good. This that's the idea of rest is another pattern, another theme, yeah. another very important principle about who God is and why He is saying, telling us this story yeah. about our lives today. Mm. So. Take us through some of these examples, and, and, and again, we're going to try to do this. We could spend yep. a long yep. time doing yep, this. Yeah, we could. Let's let's take take us through some of this in chapter one. What are some of the principles that in play here that God brings uh, order to the chaos yep. that is there? So uh, repetition is is a tool, is a stylistic tool of this text, and it's interesting to note all of the terms that are repeated. Now, the mm. first one is, and God said, yes. and it was so, and God said, and it was so, and God said. Now, it's interesting that the term, that uh, the phrase God said uh, occurs 10 times. Now, this is significant, again, at the start of the Torah, the law, because what else do we have 10 of? 10 is a very important number That's in right. Genesis. We have the 10 Exodus. commandments yep. uh, in, in Exodus, uh, which is sort of the core of God's law. And so we have here, and God said, and there was, and God said, and, and there was. So, um, so it's actually the word of God, the God speaking the mm. word of God that mm. is going to give order mm. to the universe. Mm. I mean, this is already a, a, an important principle. Yeah. I- introduction at the start of the Bible, which is the word of God. Mm. And then we have these actions of God separating things, God naming things, mm. and God creating things as it says, according to their kinds. We have the repetition. Yes. God created this according to its kind, according to its kind, according yeah. to its kind. Yeah. Now, this is a statement of order. Everything is being created mm. according to its kind. Mm. It's orderly. Now, have a guess how many times the phrase according to its kind is used. Uh, ten. ten times, exactly. <laughs> um, uh, separating this from that, it's a statement of order. Yeah. God names things. Now, this is an interesting one because this is a—I mean, it's a exercise of authority, but it's it's giving order to things. Yes. This is important because in Genesis chapter two, Adam is given the naming right. Mm. God gives Adam the job of naming the animals, and so the that, text is very emphatic there. Oh, in fact, very it says, you know, <laughs> Adam named the animals, and whatever. Name he got that was its name. It's yeah. very emphatic there, and you think, yeah. what is it? Why is it being so okay, emphatic we, about him we, naming? We got animals? it. We, we got, got it. it. <laughs> you know, but of course, this uh, this becomes Adam's job. Adam's, and in other words, the job. Our task as mankind mm. is to live in God's order and to maintain God's order. So we get another theme here 
yet another theme, especially as we move on into the next few chapters of Genesis, about authority yeah. and about, you know, you know, our place in this ordered universe. That's right. In, in this ordered yeah. universe. So the, the exercise of authority is largely about bringing order to that which has none. Mm. That's what authority looks like. And God gives mankind the responsibility, authority and responsibility, mm. yes. uh, tied together. 100%. Once we get to the sixth day, so I talked about, we've talked about structure and uh, I've talked about the goal, which is rest. Mm. And then we have the climax uh, of this chapter, which is the creation of mankind. Mm -hmm. And it says that mankind is created to rule over, um, to rule over the earth, to subdue it. Yeah. Now, what does that mean? That means to bring God's order and to maintain God's order so, in yeah, the world. It, like God sets up the pattern that we see, and, yeah. it, and it's a beautiful thing that we see that this universe that we live in, God just says, let this happen, yeah. it happens. The universe obeys, yeah. you know, completely yeah. because yeah. it is, his, you know, his subject. Yeah. We're brought into that to to complete that mission. But the other side of, the other side of, at another repeated phrase, yeah. and I'm sure you're just about to mention, is that God proclaiming the goodness yeah. of what he's done. That's right. You know? So once, once there is order... God, at the end of each day, these, after these elements of order, it's, it says, and God saw that it was good, and God saw that it was good. Mm. And then at the end of the sixth day, with mankind in place as the steward of, uh, of creation, it says, and God saw that it was very good. Mm. Now, mankind is not just a lowly servant. One of the things that would have stunned an ancient reader yes is that the formula that is used to describe mankind is that mankind is created in the image of God. Now, in the ancient world, that means to be created in the image of is to share in the nature of or to be a child of. Yeah. In yeah. fact, it says in chapter 5, verse 3, that when Adam had Seth, he was he had him in his image. Wow. He had a son in his own image. Yeah. It uses exactly the same terminology. So this indicates generate. We, we, we are the generation. We are the children of God. And we have this responsibility of maintaining God's order. This also is important at the start of the Torah, of the law of God, because we think of the law of God, the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. the thou shalt not is in the, com is in the context of a thou shalt. This is what... This is uh, the positive mandate. Yes. Fill the earth and subdue it. Yep. In other words, maintain God's order. Because if you don't, chaos will ensue. Okay. Now, uh, chaos turns up in Genesis chapter 3 embodied yes. in the serpent. Uh, and, and what happens when uh, mankind is led to disobey God, mm. chaos ensues. Mm. And that, as I said, results in the flood which is this return to this state of yeah. chaos. Yeah, it's an, it's an amazing... So already we have these principles in place, order and chaos, God's mm. word, order, yep. God's separation, making perfect, God yep. even counting, like God, you know, like numbers are important. We're, we're introduced yep. to the concept of him, you know, days are important, yep. you know, observing the days. Yeah. You know, the, all these different principles are, are, are put in place. God's ultimate authority, God's ultimate creation over, you know, the, the, as the creator, and then the introduction of man yeah. in the picture of that. There's some beautiful, beautiful patterns, so many rich patterns that we can take yeah. away for the rest of our understanding of Scripture. You mentioned as well uh, that in in the um, 
you know, in this, in the layout of chapter one, in the artisticness of chapter one, not only is there a repetition of phrases and beautiful symmetry of the phrases, there is a symmetry into finding out what the middle points are and yeah, what is worth. That's right. I referred to a center uh, as well, and I and this is where I, I wanted to get to uh, today because. Um, this is really beautiful. I think it's a it's a beautiful statement of priorities. We've talked about order. Mm-hmm. To order our lives uh, is to order them after God's priorities. So, what is the priority around what do we order our lives? Yeah. Well, now this is interesting. When we look at the text, uh, this seven days. Wherever you have, often when you have a set of seven, um, seven is a is the number of perfection. Um, but it's a very symmetrical number, and, and and its symmetry is sort of portrayed in the menorah. You know, the the Jewish candlestick, the menorah, yeah. it has a centre. How do you pronounce it? Menorah, menorah. The, I, I, oh, you, you, okay, I do the menorah. You say it's, it's the okay, same let's thing. Let's say menorah. That's, no, no, it's the same thing. It's yeah. the same thing. <laughs> uh, has this centre pole with three branches yes. on on either side. Yeah. So there is this sense where often where you have uh, a set of seven, it draws attention to the centre. Yes. Yes, and and this is what where you have a a, a text that draws attention to the center that creates mm-hmm. a sense of a center point. Mm-hmm. We refer to that as a chiasm after the the Greek letter chi, which is basically an X. Okay, it's like X marks the spot. So the so where is the, the center? Yes, yes. You think of the center of the X. Yes. That's where you go. That's where the treasure is. That's where right? we dig. Yeah. All right. And so often where you where you find a chiasm in scripture, and it's a very common literary. Uh, literary form throughout yeah. the Bible, yeah. uh, you look and you you find the center of the X. Now, the center of the chiasm of Genesis chapter 1 is on the fourth day. Yeah. And this is what uh, it says. Uh, this is the center in uh, verse 14. It says, And God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night, and let there be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. So, uh, uh, the the seasons that this is talking about is like sacred seasons. When it's talking about seasons, it's referring to let them be for signs and seasons. Um, uh, the the NIV quite rightly, I think, uses uh, let there be to mark sacred times. Mm. Now, uh, why is that important? Yeah, because. For a, Jewish, for a Jewish reader reading the Torah, yep. uh, understands that God had structured their whole, not only their week, yes. which culminates in a day of rest, which is a day of worship, yes. a day of mutual enjoyment, God is people and people enjoying God, yep. but uh, their whole year was structured around festivals, seasons, sacred times, mm. stru- uh, structured around, in other words, worship. Yeah. So right at the centre of the chiasm is are these seasons of worship, seasons to stop, to rest, to remember, to worship, to celebrate God. Man, that's deep stuff. Life structured around worship. Yeah. That this is now. Remember, the people originally received this revelation through Moses were slaves. Their lives were oriented around production. Yeah. 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 But these, God wants their lives to be oriented around rest. Yeah. And worship, it, it, and it gives us a sense of we talk about loosely. I mean, it's vague concepts, and it's a concept that's popular in philosophy and modern yeah. philosophy, and even a lot of people gravitating to different speakers today talking about the about order and chaos, talking yeah. about about this issue. It gives a sense of why 
Yeah. We need that order over the chaos. Yeah. Not order for order's sake. Yeah. Not order for a dry everything in its right yeah. place sake. Yeah. It's order for the sake of a right relationship yeah. and enjoyment with the creator right. himself. Yeah. And he's basically saying, I've set the entire universe in place for this relationship to work and this yeah. is the way it's going to be. And it's interesting that in the ancient Near Eastern epics, the thing that brings the chaos into the world is all of the infighting between the gods. And and there is this sense, uh, you know, they're all vying for power. And isn't that just a picture of, of worldly chaos? Mm, mm. And yet uh, that kind of chaos is resolved when God is God and we are human and we're rightly related to God and rightly related to each other. And this is the picture that we have in Genesis 1 and 2 yeah. of God's order when we put when we take that disposition of worship and God is God to us and we are his children and we are reflecting God and we're doing the thing that God doing the sorts of things that God does here bringing and maintaining God's order mm. where there is this mutual enjoyment we are enjoying as God did the goodness of creation but from that disposition of worship it all comes back to God then there is this state of rest. Mm. The unrest and the turmoil is overcome and we can live in this state of tranquility of and it's a relational tranquility. It's enjoyment of God through his creation and then we become truly human. It's beautiful. One one last thing to overlay and it's something you said right at the beginning and uh, I don't want to push back on that. I think that's true mm. but there's another layer of truth here I think. I'd love your comment on this, Matt. We, we approach Scripture, one of the most defining things that when we approach any text of Scripture mm. is to say, who was it to and how did they receive it? Mm. As, you, as you said, yeah, yeah. we've talked at length about this was written to an ancient people mm. and how did they receive it? What was the conversation that was going on at the yeah. time? Part of me then goes, oh, okay, so I'm a modern man in 2019. What has it got to say to me? What is, mm. it, what is, their, what is the point for, it, for me today? If we look at what is being told to us mm. through the media, the news, mm. politics, yeah. art, everything. Yeah. It's chaos. Yeah, it's chaos. It is order. It is about demolishing definitions. Yeah. There is no gender. Yeah. There is no reason. There is no point. There is no... You know, what is the greater point of man? That question today is stronger than ever, even to the point where where climate is talked a lot about, the world is talked about as an end unto itself almost. Mm. I, I, I think Genesis 1, coming mm. back to the beginning, yeah. sets the tone for us in the year 2019 to go, Oh, I yeah. get it. This is all a fight over these fundamental things yeah. that have been here from day one. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think this chapter is even more relevant now mm. because the, the same, those same elements of chaos are present in the world, the blurring of boundaries, uh, the, the dissolution of, of distinctions, uh, the, the, you know, the, there, there is this kind of chaos that is so um, indicative of fallen human nature, mm. and uh, and God is always pointing us beyond that and pointing us to put our priorities first. It starts with us letting God be God, and taking that position of worship before God, and to move towards our lives ordered around God's priorities, God's order. And uh, I think the message 
in Genesis is, as I said, as relevant now as it ever was. And there is a wonderful robustness to this chapter, I think. And in closing, I remember is a very that very famous reading of Genesis by uh, was by one the the first Apollo mission to. Yes orbit the moon and the and I think it was Christmas Eve December the 24th Christmas Eve the astronauts uh, took turns and they read Genesis chapter 1 and I you know there's been a lot of um, obviously on the anniversary of the um, moon landing there's been a lot of documentaries on that and I was watching that the other day and thinking this is actually a point that the um, uh, my one of my colleagues, the Old Testament colleague at Melbourne School of Theology, made this point. You know that there's this wonderful endurability about this chapter. You can't imagine astronauts reading Enuma Elish or one of the other creation epics, and yet, you know, in that, in in our own era, with as they're orbiting the moon and looking back at the Earth, they can read Genesis chapter one, and it just speaks so powerfully even in that context. So this is, a, this is a, a transcendent chapter. And I think we should read this and not get caught up in questions it's not trying to answer. It's speaking to you and it's speaking to me about who God is and who we are and the kind of lives that we should live. Genesis chapter one in the can. Are you satisfied with that? Or have you got a lot of questions? Hopefully there's no hate mail coming my way out of this episode. (laughs) If there is, please head over to thrivetoday.net.au. We would love to hear your questions, your comments, your thoughts. We are open to what you have to tell us. This is a open discussion with you, our valued reader and listener. While you're there at thrivetoday.net.au, make sure you check out ways you can pick up a physical copy of Thrive, the daily reading booklet, or even electronic copies on your Kindle or other e-reading devices. It's a really simple way to have it with you at all times. All right, next week, Genesis chapter 2 and 3. Gee whiz, we took one episode for one chapter. How can we get through two whole chapters in one episode? Well, you're going to have to tune in next week to see if we can do it. That's the goal. Until next week, I'll see you over at thrivetoday.net.au. It's DJ Payne here, your humble host. On behalf of Matthew, Stuart and the rest of the crew, thank you so much for downloading and enjoying the podcast. We'll see you next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to another episode of Thrive Deeper. Matthew and DJ would love to hear your questions and comments about what you are reading in God's Word and in Thrive. The easiest way to do that is to head over to thrivetoday.net.au. Thrive Deeper is on Facebook. Just search and like Thrive Today page for all our latest news. Until next week, our prayer is that this podcast will inspire you to read God's Word and thrive.